0: Within about a year and a half I went from a seven figure business to scraping up change.
1: Oh. Literally. Mentally, what did that do to you? Cuz that that had, that had <sighs> to be I could only imagine. When we're on the way up, you never really imagine coming back down. And yeah. especially you probably I would imagine you probably feel like we're just getting we young. So yeah. we're just getting started. Like this is the yeah. floor not the ceiling, right? We're just getting started. Like like what was it like being in that in that moment?
0: It was mm-hmm. Exhausting, because I didn't Mm. sleep at night. I literally was up pretty much every night tossing and turning. Um, I felt embarrassed and guilty and ashamed because even though there was a whole recession going on, for me, I'm like, I'm the one that people come to. I'm the one in my family who made it. I'm the one amongst my friends that everyone comes to. So I didn't even know how to tell people that that's what was happening. No one really knew. We were just suffering in silence. So we still have matching Range Rovers. They didn't know I could barely put $3 of gas in it and get down the street.
1: What's going on family? Lamar Tyler, creative founder of Traffic Sales and Profit. Uh, We're here right another episode of the TSP Show. And I'm excited because every week we're talking about black business and black wealth, and we're leaning to the black wealth part today with an old school friend of mine, Patrice Washington, host of the Redefining Wealth podcast. I know all of y'all listening. If you're not, make sure you subscribe today. What's going on, Patrice, how are you? What's
0: up? I'm so happy to be here. Hey,
1: I'm excited you said yes, and yeah. you know, you came and joined us. And bless the people, bless the audience with all your information <laughs> and knowledge. Old school friend, for sure. Old school friend, right? Like those who don't know, uh, Patrice was one of the stars one of our films, Generation, our most popular, that's our most popular film. People generation still tag one.
0: me all the time. Really? And say, I saw you in generation one. And I just <laughs> shake my head. I'm like, and my makeup was so bad, but bless. God bless. The message was right, though. The message you, was right. You
1: you, you <laughs> destroyed it in generation one, the search of black wealth. Um, amazing information and insight. And I've been loving it because I've been following along your journey since then of all the speaking gigs, mm-hmm. all the lives transformed the amazing podcast, and just impacting people's lives when it comes to wealth creation, personal finances. And, you know, before we get into that, I want to talk about like, like how you got to this point, because it's been a journey.
0: It has been.
1: It's been a journey. Like, how did you start? Did you start off as, um, you were in your earlier days knowing like, Hey, I want to like personal finance is my thing. wealth creation is my thing. I want to help people in that area. Was it something you stumbled into?
0: Um, kind of stumbled into it. So I actually was introduced to real estate first. So okay. as a sophomore in college, I, got, I became a licensed real estate professional at 19. Okay. 21 years old during senior year in college, I went after my broker's license. And so graduating from the University of Southern California, I was like, I'm not going to get a job. I'm not going back to school. I'm going to turn this into a business. And I did. So by 25, that was a seven figure business. And the way mm. that I built the business was by teaching my community in South Central Los Angeles about personal finance topics. So debt elimination and savings, and really just helping people realize the dream of home ownership. Um, that thought that they would never be able to back Mm. then, right? But what I learned is I'm 21 years old. I'm helping people who are twice my age and they didn't know basic stuff. So I became obsessed with like learning everything so that I could go back and teach it to my community, whether you became a client or not. So built a seven figure business by 25. I thought it would go on forever. And then the recession hit. Mm. And so when the recession hit, I find myself- the,
1: the old, old recession. The old, not old the new recession, recession. Not this new recession. The old <laughs> I recession. You've been out here. I don't I've don't been people, out here for a while. people
0: think think she knew. 2007. Okay. 2007, um, when things were starting to really, you know, surface, I was actually in the hospital on bed rest. Wow. So I was 20 weeks pregnant when I took a fall down the stairs and it sent me into preterm labor. Mm. And so when I got to the hospital, they're like, ma'am, I'm so sorry. This baby's coming any minute now. There's nothing we can do. And what was supposed to be any minute now actually turned into me being on hospital bed rest for 10 weeks. So while I'm on hospital bed rest, I'm watching the news. And every day, the banks that I work with are closing down one by one by one. And so... I ended up having my baby 30 weeks um, and five days, but she was healthy, three pounds, two ounces. So I did my 10 weeks. She did her three and a half weeks in the NICU. Mm. And when we finally got out of the hospital, I left with a healthy baby. But Lamar also had
1: a healthy amount of medical debt, almost wow. $400,000. Wow. And that happens to a lot of people in this country. It's something we don't talk about a lot. Like Most of the time we think about when people go into debt. We think, oh, you've been spending buying stuff you ain't supposed to buy. You got the the, mm-hmm. the big car or the big house, and you sh- couldn't afford it. Yeah. But medical debt is not something that we, or at it least I don't pay. see it. I don't see it really ever brought up. No, well, you
0: don't think, especially I was 26 years old, mm. so I'm healthy. I'm I'm relatively healthy, but I fall down the stairs, right? Mm. So that is what sends me into preterm labor in this extended hospital stay. And even though I had saved and done all the things, when the banks start closing down, I had 16 loan officers and real estate agents that worked at my brokerage, and they are calling me every day freaking out. Like, our deals are falling apart. Stuff isn't Mm -hmm. closing. They're threatening to sue us. What are we going to do? So now you have about three months that have gone by, and really no deals closed, but all this overhead to manage, and all this payroll still going out, and our savings are just dwindling away. So it wasn't that we hadn't done anything to prepare, but- do you, you don't prepare for that. Like, that's beyond saving for a rainy day. Like, I, yeah. I didn't know what I didn't know at the time. So eventually I had to shut the office down. Um, I had 13 pieces between my ex-husband and I. We had 13 pieces of real estate. Um, we had tenants who were losing their jobs, so they weren't paying rent. Right. We're floating mortgages. Within about a year and a half, I went from a seven-figure business to scraping up
1: change. Oh. Literally. Mentally, what did that do to you? Cause that had, that had to be, I can only imagine when we're on the way up, you never really imagine coming back down and, and especially you probably, I would imagine you probably feel like we just getting, we young. So yeah. we just getting started. Like this is the yeah. floor, not the ceiling. Right. We are just getting started. Like, like, what was it like being in that, in that moment?
0: It was exhausting. Cause I didn't mm. sleep at night. I literally was up pretty much every night tossing and turning. Um, I felt embarrassed. And guilty and ashamed because even though there was a whole recession going on, for me, I'm like, I'm the one that people come to. I'm the one in my family who made it. I'm the one amongst my friends that everyone comes to. So I didn't even know how to tell people that that's what was happening. No one really knew. We were just suffering in silence. So we still had matching Range Rovers. They didn't know I could barely put $3 of gas in it and get down the street. So it wasn't until the Range Rovers were repossessed, And our 6,000 square foot home was uh, foreclosed upon that we literally fled uh, Southern California and ended up in a little teeny tiny apartment in Metairie, Louisiana. From one L.A. to another L.A. <laughs> These are different L.A.'s. And we go to we go to New Orleans because we had a piece of property there still that we had bought after Katrina. And mm-hmm. we thought, if we just finish up that little rehab job, even if we have to go do some of the work ourselves, yeah. like we could sell it and maybe still get some cash. We get down there and find out that the contractor we thought was like working on the big stuff had been stealing the money. Wow. And literally our property just had squatters in it. So you talk about another layer of devastation. And and, and so here we are with this little baby, just the two of us, um, no friends, no family, but we're stuck now. Mm. So we're in this 600 square foot apartment where every month we're getting eviction notices. Um, And I remember the day that the power man, the power company sent someone out to turn the lights off. And I literally barefoot ran after this man with my baby on my hip and begged him to turn the lights back on. Oh. or my baby's milk was going to spoil. And he took pity on me. and He's like, well, they'll be back. They're going to come back and turn it off, even if I leave it on. I'm like, I'll figure that out tomorrow. Yeah. I just need to make it another day. And Gerald ended up taking my daughter, Reagan, um, off somewhere. And i that was the day I just got in the Mary Lamar, and I was like, come on, God. Like, I'm sick and tired of this. Like, I am sick and tired of this, I've tried to be a good person, I operate in integrity, I did what they said, do: go to school, get good grades, you should be fine. I'm like, I did all the things, I followed the recipe, so how am I here? And it started out with me kind of talking to God in the mirror, and the next thing you know, I was crying, and then I was snotting, and then it was just the bawling, just that ugly cry where you don't recognize yourself anymore. And before I knew it, I was on the floor in fetal position, like literally like, God, you got to give me something. And I heard what I refer to as a still small voice. It said, get your Bible. I landed on the scripture. It was Proverbs 17, 16. And it said, what good is money in the hands of a fool if they have no desire to seek wisdom? Hmm. What good is money in the hands of a fool if they have no desire to seek wisdom? And that was the first time it dawned on me that I had been very smart. So I had been very book smart and I could pass the broker's exam and get the little certifications and do all the things. That doesn't necessarily mean that I was using wisdom in my life. So mm-hmm. knowledge is the book smarts, right? It's the education and information. But I learned that wisdom is the application of those things. And I didn't know at the time that I wasn't, um, I wasn't someone that asked for help. I didn't know how to seek wise counsel because I grew up. You know, in a typical, I'm I'm Belizean, so I'm Central American, but I grew up with like, figure it out, figure it out, figure mm-hmm. it out. So that's what you do. You figure it out. You don't go to people and say, hey, how do you do such and such? You don't mastermind. You don't get a coach. Like all yeah. this is like new stuff. But back then, no, I yeah. just suffered in silence. So how did I feel? I knew that it I knew that it was temporary. And I think my faith really gave me a lot of hope. Like there was something that made me feel like you won't always be in this place. But when I was in it,
1: I was sick of it. So that's good. So what I also pulled out of that piece is you talked about um, not knowing how to ask for help. Mm. And I think so many times the more successful you are, that becomes a lot harder for people too. Cause y'all have reached, like if you hadn't reached that level of success, I always feel like it may have been a little bit easier, but when you reach that success, it's just so many thoughts, right? What will people think of me? And maybe you weren't thinking this stuff, maybe I don't know. Oh, absolutely. What will people think of me? You know, are they gonna talk about me? And a lot of times like the people, it be the people close to you. It don't even be like the strangers. It be like what your family's saying and, and what's the words they pointed to you. What are your friends saying or the people you think your friends or the people in your in your circle, in um, in that man. I mean that 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 one piece just kind of took me so many places.
0: You know what? That's why I tell my clients now that we get to curate the communities that we need. Like mm-hmm. many of us didn't grow up in spaces where. You are encouraged to talk about what's wrong, right? A lot of us heard, you better not tell people your business. Well, if you carry that through business, you're going to have a problem, right? If you carry that through as an entrepreneur, you're going to have a problem. Because if you think that, you know, abundance is created in isolation, you're absolutely wrong. It's only when we come together. But... I know for me, I had to get to that place where literally I waited until my back was up against the wall to finally say, I don't know what I don't know. Somebody else has got to know something about this and let me just be vulnerable and ask. And I was so surprised how many people were so willing to support. Not necessarily friends and family because I wasn't comfortable yet mm-hmm. telling friends and family. I think my friends and family started to learn when everybody else did. When I was on mm-hmm. Fox News telling people that I had to file bankruptcy, that's when my family was like, what? You did. Of course, it was years removed, but they never knew at the time. But the person who actually gave me the advice to do that, who said, look, you can't nickel and dime your way out of millions of dollars of this real estate and medical debt. Like, you can't keep trying to create these little payment plans. You're not sleeping at night. You have to allow yourself to move on and use the system that everybody else is out here using to support you. But a friend or a family member, especially someone who was faith based, would have been like, God doesn't want you to do that. <laughs> You're right. They would have pulled out something not from like their actual real experience, yeah. just from what not they their think own understanding. And just, their own yeah. understanding. And so, I mean, at this point, when I don't know something, I don't hesitate to mm. find someone quickly, to find a group, a mastermind, a coach, a mentor. Some level of accountability and some somewhere to go because that for me that's been the secret to my success. It's all been relationships.
1: Oh, that's good. You know, I tell people all the time, um, like I don't want to learn new stuff. <laughs> I'm like my thing now is as fast as possible. When we going into a new lane, I just want to find somebody that's already done it, that already know it, a group of people, and how can I just pay for access yeah. to the knowledge? Because because always felt like with me and Ronnie. The biggest mistake we made early in business was trying to figure it out and like really what should have took three years took seven mm-hmm. right it's like success we should have had it's, and, it's, and it's not even i think a lot of people say well you know what well, the main thing is you get there right whether you get there sooner or later what they don't realize their windows of opportunities and those windows are always closing yeah so it's not just like hey you'll always get there later because the opportunity that's there in year three may not be there in year five by the time you get the money So, so like that timing piece is important. So Mm -hmm. I I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. So you go through that, right? Um, uh, the bankruptcy at least resets things and allow you to start coming back through on the other side. At what point did you say, Hey, you know what, was it because all the things you're learning financially and wealth wise that you start to shift paths? Like when did your path start to turn into this like financial (laughs) maiden?
0: It changed the night that I was on that floor, Ballenstein mm. crying. When I found that scripture, it literally changed everything. It was like something went off in my head. Um, my first grade teacher, Ms. Boynton, used to say, When you know something, you have a responsibility to share with friends. Mm, and there was something in me that I had just learned about the term blogging. Just like a week or two before, I'm in a Starbucks in uh, Mattery, Louisiana. And I see these, I, and let me say, I was not getting coffee. It was water. I stopped to get water because I didn't have coffee money at the time. But I see these women and they all have their laptops out and babies in strollers. And I'm like, what are they doing? Like, I thought it was a mommy like meetup group. Yeah. So one woman comes up near the straws. I go, hey, are you guys like a mommy support group? She's like, no, we're mommy bloggers. I'm like, what is a blog? I had owned a brick and mortar business. I never knew much about the online world. And so she explained what blogging was. And I was like, huh, you want to blog about your kids? I guess so. Um, right, I was like, I don't know if that's for me. A couple weeks later, I have that moment on the floor. And I'm like, I could blog about money. That's mm. what I like to talk about. Yeah. The personal finance stuff. Now, I have that thought, Lamar. And then the next thought is, who are you?
1: I was just about to ask you that. Who are you? Because I know sometimes you have a great idea like that. Um, shame comes in you know, expertise, So what we feel like is our perceived lack of expertise. Like, all these things come in and ask you that same question. Mm -hmm. Like, who who are you to go and teach other people, like, look at the situation you're in? Yeah. How how did you get past that?
0: Literally, the next thought after who do you think you are was like, you lost all your money, but you're not bad. Like, Mm -hmm. right? You lost all your money, but your mind isn't bad. The things that you know still apply. Yes. Teaching people about debt elimination, you still know how to do that. You still know how to do these things. So... Just do the blog, and the blog was based on like money principles from a biblical perspective, right? So literally, the next day I start this blog. It was so ugly, Lamar. It's still up because <laughs> I don't have the password. <laughs> I don't know how to take it down. It was the ugliest thing <laughs> you, in the world. You need to get a hacker. just yeah, like, just hey, this, like this,
1: this, 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 it wiped us off. The but end. I
0: love for people to see too. When you see me today, understand that we all have to start somewhere. This so process. you know, when when people used to see me on the Steve Harvey show or on Dr. Oz or on all these different platforms. They're like, well, how, like who put you up there? I'm like consistency, yes. like like committed to the game is how is how I ended up building these relationships and getting here. But it started with that ugly blog spot and it started with the intention of like, I can support other people even in the midst of this and i'm willing to be like hey i'm not perfect but i do know some things about personal finance mm-hmm. and if you want to come like we could do it together and i remember one time someone saying like that who do you think you are and i'm like let me be clear i'm on the way back been there yeah. done that on the way back now you can come or you don't have to <laughs> but guarantee you i'll be back cuz i'm in a season yeah. this is not permanent right. i am in a season and this too shall pass and started writing that blog um, that was March 2009 and ended up writing for other magazines and other blogs. And then that led to radio and television and five books later. And now the Redefining Wealth podcast and all that,
1: that stuff. I, I love it. And what it, what it speaks to me too is the fact that even once you get over that, it's still people that challenge you. Right? Because a lot of <laughs> times people are like, if I just get past my own head, once you get out of your own heads, other people's heads, they're still going to want to put you in a box or something. And I'll yeah, never forget, yeah. we were doing a screening of our second movie in Baltimore. And we had a few hundred people out, we were feeling great. And we were doing like crowd reactions, people came out. And a lady came out and said, How long y'all been married? Right? And at the time, me and Ronnie, we started black and married with kids we only married like two years so probably by this time it's 2010 we're married five years mm-hmm. this lady said i've been divorced long you've been married what can you show me <laughs> right I right, right. and i'm like why are you it? you know what i'm saying like literally you spent your money to come in and throw a jab at me right yeah uh so i had an answer for her. i gotta an answer for everything but i had to add an answer for her. but it's just like literally like the way people come at you is crazy well, so you have to really like be rooting yourself and who you are so that you don't kind of like sway in their thoughts or perceptions of who you should be.
0: Oh, because it's so easy to do. It's really Mm -hmm. easy. You can have a hundred amazing comments and then one person Mm -hmm. make a rude comment and you just sit there like looking at it like, does she know? Do they understand? But something that I've learned over the years is first of all, people are always going to be annoyed by the anointing. You know Mm. what I'm saying? Like sometimes what you demonstrate is... Possibly something that they want to do and they don't have the guts to move past their fear and do it, so it's easier to ridicule you. So I've accepted that there will always be those people among them. The second thing is, I'm not Jesus. I was not called to save all of humanity. (laughs) I have been assigned (laughs) to certain people. people. Just give me my people. Just give me my people. Like, I have been assigned to certain people, and I'm gonna speak with clarity and conviction and authority and use the language that resonates with the people that I'm called to serve, and when they hear me, they'll know, like, oh, that's my girl. If my language like offends you, if the way that I speak like irks you in some way, I'm just not your person. There are so many other people out there talking about financial wellness, go find them. And mm. I am okay if I'm not the one. I just want you to be good. I don't have to be the one to make you good.
1: Mm. And I and I love I loved you identified hey, I mean for my people. Uh cuz other thing I see happen a lot of times, especially in entrepreneurship, is people feel like it's too many people in that space. Well, I can't talk about financial wellness because it's, you know, this person and that person, this person on TV and that person mm-hmm. on the radio and these people with podcasts and there's so many people, but I love that fact you said like, hey, I'm here to speak to my people, the people that that resonate with me that, you know, um, like the way I talk, that like, you know, the information I present, that love my, you know, if, if I got a faith-based perspective to it, like that's what exactly what they've been mm-hmm. looking for and exactly what they connect with.
0: Yeah, there's there's space for all of us. There is so mm-hmm. much space for all of us. And I'm sure we've all heard this, this comparison, but you go to the grocery store, look at all the bread on the shelf. Yeah. Like some of that bread I would never touch. Right. Like it's not my thing, whether it's the packaging or the coloring of the bread or just the price point of the bread. But there is something for everyone. So in the same way, I don't feel like I need to lower my prices to work with anyone in particular. I don't feel like I need to do all of these things. The only thing I need to do every day is be like, what's real for Patrice?" Like, what's real for me? What matters to me in this season? What have I been called to do? Who have I been called to serve? And it's okay for purpose to evolve. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the audience is going to evolve. You know, what you're offering is going to evolve. All of those things can evolve. I've watched you evolve, right? (laughs) Tremendously, and it's beautiful. It's okay to evolve, but I'm evolving, like, in connection with what resonates with me, not what you think I should do or mm. with someone in the audience feels like I should do better. Go find someone doing that thing better. They're out there, that's
1: Like, good. go get them. That's good, that's good, I love it. So um, now you've pivoted, like I said, you got the, you know, the blog, you've done radio, you've done TV. Six books? Five books. Five books, right? Yeah. Maybe I'm claiming the sixth one. I'm working on the sixth you- one. I knew it was. I knew it was close. <laughs> I felt it in my spirit, I knew the sixth one was close. All right, so we're working on number six. Um, but as you're now sharing, information and knowledge with other people as it relates to their finances, right? Mm -hmm. I've heard you talk about kind of like six, uh, you know, pillars around wealth Mm -hmm. or or these six, you know, fundamental pieces. Can we talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah. So throughout the course of this whole journey, one of the ways that I evolved is understanding that I didn't want to just talk about budgets and credit reports because as more people were coming into the financial space, it felt like just the same conversation was being regurgitated, right? Over Mm -hmm. and over again. And I had a moment, um, one time I was on the Dr. Oz show. And you know Dr. Oz, he loves a good uh, visual. So they gonna try to force a visual (laughs) out of anything. So I'm on set, we're rehearsing and they're like, we're gonna talk about saving on groceries. And they say, we have these felt pieces of like broccoli and tomatoes and corn and you're gonna move it from one thing to the next. (laughs) And I was standing there like, (laughs) what am I doing? What am I (laughs) like? With the
1: felt broccoli?
0: I I was like, okay. I thought about being on the bathroom floor, and I remember when I got up, I said, God, if you restore me, not when, because I didn't have that much faith in that moment. Mm-hmm. I said, if you restore me, I'm going to go everywhere I can and teach people that this is this journey is not just about you know, chasing money. It's about seeking wisdom, mm-hmm. and I want to share what I believe is the truth about wealth. So not only in that moment did I end up looking up the difference between knowledge and wisdom, I also looked up the true definition of wealth mm-hmm. in 2009. And the epiphany that I had, the revelation was wealth is not just money and material possessions. That's the original definition that we all, that's the surface definition right. we all see. The original 12th century definition of wealth is actually the condition of well-being mm. and happiness. It was never, how much property do you have? A lot of
1: material things. Yeah,
0: How much cattle do you own? It was never all of that stuff. It was the condition of well-being. So over the years, I have been practicing all these things, but... Back to you made a comment about we put ourselves in a box or we allow people to put us in a box. Because I had become so well known for real money answers, which Mm -hmm. is what I used to do before. And it was all the hardcore personal finance stuff. I didn't feel like I had the room to talk about what I consider to be the truth about wealth. How are we well in the other parts of our lives? Because that does ultimately impact our finances. Mm. Um, I was fascinated by it. And in 2016, on the Dr. Asha, I was like... I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) And when I left New York, I was like, it's time. Like, it's time to shift. And a number of things happened where I ended up shifting. And in 2017, I launched Redefining Wealth. And so the six pillars are, again, these pieces of life that impact your finance even when you're not thinking about Mm -hmm. it. So the first one is fit. It's about becoming your best self. The main part of fit is being mentally and physically well, especially in our communities. Like, especially in our communities where many of us have been taught to use faith as a fight, as like a crutch, right? So, I'm gonna pray about it, but I'm not gonna change my eating habits.
1: Yeah.
0: Pray for me going to the doctor's appointment, but I'm not gonna ask for you to pray when I go to the gym, like, or when I go on these walks or do other things. If we say that we have a vision for our lives or for our businesses, we have to know that it's our duty and responsibility to protect the only vessel we're going to get to execute the vision. It doesn't matter like what your sales were and what what all these things are. If you're not well, what does that matter? Mm -hmm. If you're not here to run it, if you can't sit in this seat right now and do the interviews, what's happening? Right. Mm -hmm. So not only taking care of yourself physically, but also mentally, especially in communities of color, many of us are trained to believe that we have to go twice as hard to be half as good, mm-hmm. right? We hear those messages all growing up, From like birth, all yeah. the time, right? So many of us will run ourselves into the ground, not just physically, but also mentally, right? We don't deal with childhood trauma. We don't deal with grief. We don't deal with big transitions in our life, which yeah. also produce grief. We sweep things under the rug and we think because we're more educated people now that we should be fine. I could get a certification, I could get a degree, I listen to all the podcasts, I read all the books. So we're going for the bigger, brighter, better. But what if the best of us is on the other side of sitting on somebody's couch and dealing with our childhood trauma? That was a big one for me because I grew up as the the ugly duckling in my family. So I was the ugly one. I was the one everyone teased. Oh, you're blacky. Your lips are too big. Your faces do this, blah, 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 blah. All the stuff they pay for now
1: <laughs> that I got naturally was a problem in the
0: 80s and 90s, right? So I went through all of those things. And I remember 22 years old is when I started therapy. And earlier I shared 25 was when I first hit seven figures. Well, also 25 was the first time that I could look in the mirror without cringing Mm. and wishing I was somebody else. So for three years, I was in therapy learning to forgive people who would never say I'm sorry. Mm. I was in therapy adopting a new definition of forgiveness, which was giving up the possibility of a better past. Mm. I was in therapy recognizing that hurt people hurt people. I was in therapy doing all of this work at the same time the more I worked on healing myself, the more my business was growing. Mm. And the truth is our businesses are only gonna grow to the extent we are willing to heal. That's good. Like we have to be willing to do the work. And I think in our communities, if we were taught, don't tell people your business, don't be out there doing this, it's better now, much better. We talk about it yeah. it's so much more much now. Much different, yeah. But it's very connected to our business growth. Cause there's some people Lamar, you're teaching them all kind of stuff. You're giving them the game, right? And they're like, but, but,
1: but, but, and you're like
0: this, but in your spirit, where is this but in your spirit coming from? It's coming from an internal conversation they keep having, probably rooted in some childhood trauma. So no matter what you say, unless they do the work to deal with that, they're never going to be able to go as far. That's why you have clients that are like breakout stars. They've probably been working to uproot some Mm -hmm. of that stuff and clear things out. You're teaching the same, but my ability to receive it is based on how I'm also healing in other parts of my life.
1: Totally true. I I recently had a conversation, maybe from like the last week or two, I was talking to somebody about about just coaching in general. And Mm -hmm. I would tell them like one of the earlier things we learned in the process was that it was not about strategy. (laughs) And, And I think that's what most new coaches like that's the first wall you butt up against because you think, hey, you know, I'm gonna teach these people X, Y, and Z. And they just don't know X, in this game over once we teach them. But like, as you said, like it's only a small percentage of people that actually can go execute mm-hmm. whatever X, Y, and Z is right now. And the bulk of people we learned, like we literally had to insert mindset in yes. like all these other pieces that we say would have to make the whole entrepreneur in order to just get them, like you said, get them to a platform they even go execute. The different things because mm-hmm. the, the the problem with them executing them not knowing the thing was only one step then they know it but like i said like like the the hurdles and roadblocks yeah and, and like i said that that was even for me like i remember the very first year we launched a coaching program we did a mastermind and i would get them people stuff to do and we come back next month and i'd be like all right where we at and we'd be at the same place it was last <laughs> and i just didn't understand i'm like like make it make sense <laughs> make it make like i'm like yeah. you pay me all this money you only paid me this money. You're not doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and it was later on. We literally, like you said, had, we had to add components to the program to help them work through all those, all those pieces. And like you said, and you know, the amazing thing is um, things have changed for the better a lot mm-hmm. over recent years, right? You yeah. Stigmas around mental health, stigmas around asking for help. Um, so many different things that are shifting, specifically in our community, mm-hmm. even more so, but that are beginning to shift, haven't shifted all the way, yeah. but beginning to shift.
0: Um, it's exciting to see it it's exciting to see people um, be more authentic and vulnerable and just readily willing to share like now we hear like oh yeah I had therapy you're like oh good for you back in the day you'd be like
1: You crazy. You crazy? What's wrong with you? You What you
0: doing? Right. So, so that's the first pillar and you see it makes sense. That's where everything starts, right? That's how we start to even receive the info that's going to help us build wealth. Um, Quickly, the next one, pillar number two is creating relationships that matter. It's the people pillar. Mm. You do this very well. You always have. Um, For me, it's been the secret to everything. Just, I truly believe there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. Oh, that's good. But who are they watching you be? And a lot of us only show up when the boss is here. You know what I'm saying? Like We only show up when we think we can get something from you. We show up when we think like, ooh, that's the person. But really, the gatekeepers are the ones yeah. that you should have really been connected to. Like, those were the people. And I, your old book was what? The Gatekeepers, the gatekeepers are, gone. are Gone. I the remember. We, I love that book. We go back. Listen, we go back. I remember team, that.
1: When you tell a team that <laughs> this, sometimes they be doubting me. They, they
0: think I'm new out here. <laughs> yeah. But, like, they're still, you know, the assistants. Like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, the people who are handling things, the other... You don't just walk in. Imagine me coming in here and not being respectful to your team members, yeah. to the producer of the show, and to... Because, oh, they're not Lamar. And yeah. I'm going to wait and turn on when Lamar gets here. <laughs> we had a whole conversation. Like, I'm getting a popsicle from Julius later. Like, we got a whole <laughs> thing going. Right? I'm like that everywhere yeah. I go. And that has been literally one of my things. And I know everyone is not extroverted. I don't necessarily right. feel extroverted um, because when I'm not out, I am <laughs> yeah, I'm, <gonna> in. <laughs> like, I'm very it. in and very quiet. But still, um, it's not it's not that you show up in a certain way to get something from anyone. But we have to be clear that most Man. of what we're learning, like we talked about earlier, is going to come from relationships. It is going to come from the mastermind. Like there's probably people who are in your mastermind. They think they're coming just to glean all the information from you. They don't even stop to really connect with even, the other. I'm people. not even
1: a value. I tell them all the I'm like, I'm not That's even... That's what I
0: say in my community. It's like, you see me on the
1: stage and you think what you banned for is me, but nah. it's not even it. The juice is in, exactly. is in the, the people,
0: the relationships here. Um, and so we talk a lot about that personally and professionally, like how are we showing up in our relationships? Pillar number three is space. It's about... Um, setting up your life to support you. So Mm. we hear time is money all the time, but folks, we waste a lot of time doing Mm. a lot of foolishness, whether it's digital clutter or physical clutter. The big takeaway from that pillar is just that clutter is the physical manifestation of chaos in your mind. Mm. So anytime you feel stuck in some part of your life, especially in your business, take a look around that area and is it actually set up to support you? Like, are you in a money-making space I had to come to that realization. Years ago, I was working on my second book, and the room, the spare room that I was working in had all kinds of stuff. It was like the where everything go to die, right? <laughs> so it's like the ironing board. It's like laundry that hasn't been folded yet. It's all this stuff. And I'm like, is this the space of someone who plans on being a mul- like a best-selling author, mm-hmm. a multiple six-figure author? No. I cleared that thing out, fresh coat of paint, made sure it was smelling good, looking good, feeling good, yeah. and then I was able to move through, which with much more clarity. Well, I yeah. went on to write several books, and I'm working on now my sixth book, right? And you show and up I different. I you
1: show up different in a space like that. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you know, you know, and it's interesting as you say that. In general, I'm not, because I'm not even gonna lie, because Ronnie be watching these later. Well, she don't watch all of them. <laughs> this be the one she watch. She be like, dude, <laughs> and like she like that part. She don't be on social. She go on social and shout that for me. But in general, I'm not necessarily like a, um, I'm like in the middle. I'm not like a messy person. I like super clean, I'm like in the middle. But one place that always is clean is my desk. Mm -hmm. Cause even if I have like a whole bunch of stuff, like at the end of the day, I'd be like, this stuff got to get off of here, right? (laughs) And I like, cause I'm just like, I just need to, and I don't even know what it is, but it's just like, you show up different. You do. And you operate different when you got a clean environment to actually do the work from.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of people who are mostly you know, they're like that in their work life. So in their work life, yeah. they have to have it, and then they go home, and it's like,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you know, and I have a lot of parents, so a lot of yeah. a lot of moms. Yep, yep, yep. And they're like, well, my car is just dirty because of my kids, and the kid, I say, yeah. well, who taught them that? Yeah, you taught them how to. And treat your kids you. don't
1: drive in the driver's seat.
0: That little side door <laughs> compartment. It's all you. Yeah, that's all you. That's all you. So just really looking at your space because it does. I mean, your time, mm-hmm. your energy, how you teach people to treat you, all of that is supported by your space. And I say that any space I show up in is sacred. Um mm-hmm. And so that really lends to me being able to get things done in an efficient way. Um, Number four is faith. I finally get to faith. I know all the people who are like super believers be like, faith should be first. (laughs) No, faith is not because y'all like to just pray about it and not do nothing else. So it's intentional that faith is there, though. And it's about believing in something greater. Um, My audience is not just Christian. So it's not about choosing some faith in particular. But if you say you believe in something, do you make time for it? Hmm. it needs to be on the calendar along with anything else yeah. because it's not a matter of if life is going to happen. We've all had experiences. It's yeah. when, exactly. and when something happens, you don't want to then try to figure out what you believe. You already want to have a process for how you move through life's resistance.
1: Oh, and if I could tack on like, yeah. like, one of the things I see a lot of times is that people look at people that have the successes they want and they make the assumption they haven't been through it. Like, have you ever heard like like it was easy for you because like I would do this if I was in your situation. Yeah. But not, you know, I, I'm I'm um since you work with so many companies, I'm always studying like what's make people successful and what makes some people go and some people stay in mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. And one of the things I realized is that you know like the smaller companies, a lot of them would always make the assumption that the big ones had, like you said, some advantage, somebody picked them, some opportunity didn't go through it. And I said, no, they go through, a lot of times they're going through more mess than you ever yeah. went through. It's just that they're resilient. Mm-hmm. It's just that they have grit. It's just yeah. that they have belief, right? Mm-hmm. It's just that, like, like, they said, I'm not going to throw in the towel or give up. But mm-hmm. they said, in spite of. In spite of. All them. these things. And, and what's crazy, um, I've realized over the years that, like, think, like you said, things don't happen. It's not if, right? It's when. It's like, sad. stuff going, life going life. Yeah. So things are going to happen to you. But so much is in how you respond. In the same thing that stops one person from moving forward, the same thing that propels somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I had a you know a guy that said, you know, I'm I'm doing all these things for my business because my wife has breast cancer. Where somebody else would say, because my wife has breast cancer, I'm not going to do the business do this yeah. year, right? Somebody says, you know, because I'm a single mom, you know, I'm not doing these things. Somebody else says, because I'm a single mom, I got to do these yeah. things. Like I got to provide for my kids and family. So, so much of it is just perspective. And like you said, back to mindset of how we, we take those things that happen mm-hmm. and then process them and move forward.
0: Yeah, I think it's Tony Robbins who said, it, it, you know it's understanding that life is not happening to you, it's happening for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And so my faith has really built that in me where when something happens, I'm like, okay, what's the lesson? It's either a lesson or a blessing. Period. Like, I get to choose. I get to narrate the story of my life. So, whatever it is, yes, there's gonna be, you know, um, plot twists and all those things, but I still get to determine what that looks like. So, for me, I recently went through a divorce. I know people, literally, I was speaking at an event recently, and I talked about my divorce from the most empowering way because Mm -hmm. I really do feel empowered by how I journey through it because I live by the pillars, Mm -hmm. right? And then I, another woman went up like the next day, same event, and she was like, you know, I took a step back for five years. I was like, girl, for five <laughs> years? Oh no, oh, no. You needed a process for how you yeah, moved right. through resistance. And that's no shade to her, but I'm saying like, I literally doubled my business while I was wow. going through my divorce. You know, like and worked less. And I was finishing yeah. my degree in behavioral finance and financial psychology. All of these things were going on while I was in the midst of the divorce, but I already had a process for how I deal with resistance of any kind. So it wasn't like, okay, I'm filing for divorce and now I have to go figure out what I believe. Because of what I believe, I know that I can move through this with Mm -hmm. grace and dignity and as much ease and peace as possible. And we did.
1: No, that's good. That's good.
0: Yeah. So that's um, the faith pillar. Next is work. It's about living your life's purpose. The thing that I always tell people is, look, if your personal finances are jacked up, more than likely, you're not in alignment with what you were called to do. Because Mm. when you're not, it creates a void. And the bigger that void gets, the more many of us try to fill it with stuff. So we think I'm going to buy people or buy more things. So that's why so many people, oh... My job got on my nerves this week. You get paid what you're doing. You're out shopping. You're out at happy hour. You're out buying you a the that job bar. more than
1: ever, right? you're doing all <laughs>
0: the things, creating a cycle for you to stay in this place. And even as entrepreneurs, we do it. Just because you're an entrepreneur, that doesn't mean you're operating in purpose. Correct. You know, some people are using the right gifts in the wrong ministry. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're in the right place. Yeah. Like, you have the right idea but are you actually working with who you're supposed to work with? Or are you working with who you think is more lucrative? Because guaranteed, you can still be very lucrative if you really went in on what you know you were called to do. But most most of us avoid it. Cause
1: how I, I want to ask you a question about this. Cause I see um, you work um majority women. Majority women. Okay. Is, so you're the perfect person for this. Mm-hmm. Um I see a lot of women entrepreneurs that'll come into our community and they want to serve, it's like an audience they want to serve. It's like, it's in their heart, right? And a lot of times that, that audience mirrors them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had a, a woman recently that said, hey, you know what, I want to serve um, divorced moms, right? As they move moving through divorce, because I needed the help and I really want to be the help that, mm-hmm. you know, that I needed when I came to that point that somebody say, you know, somebody's dealing with sickness or somebody, you know, I want to empower um, low income women that are moms because, you know, I was there, right? And I think that's great. How do they determine the difference between whether it's a business or a ministry. Ooh, because that's so also, good. Be, Because sometimes I've seen women that literally leave a thriving business behind and try to make the ministry a business because they're looking for the purpose in the work, which I get right. Because yeah. I, i a part of shout out think The work I do now, yeah. like this, my I tell people this is what I'm built yeah. to do. Yeah. Like this, all the stuff that God put in my life yeah. leading up to now is for this for moment, this. right? Yeah. Um, but. I'm telling them some of the time, too, like like you're trying to turn the ministry into a business, so you're putting undue burden on the ministry instead of working the gift you already got. Yeah. And then serving the ministry from the overflow.
0: This is so good. <laughs> okay. This is such a great question because this comes up. And what I tell people, too, is I'm not saying that your purpose work has to be all that you do. Mm. I'm just saying that you need to have something purposeful in your life to prevent you from literally jeopardizing your personal finances. So for mm-hmm. me, before I could do this full-time, which wasn't until 2012, I was working at other places. Yeah. Now I would give them just what I needed to give them. just And that that was it. Mm-hmm. That, they wasn't going to get a whole bunch of overtime and all this extra stuff. I did what I needed to do because I spent a lot of time volunteering in financial education nonprofits because that's where my heart was. Okay. So until I could figure out how to like, live my life's purpose as my full-time thing, I still did other things. So I always tell people come in my community, they they have that heart to like do something mm-hmm. for a specific community. I'm like, don't come in here talking about you leaving your job. Don't go mm-hmm. out there telling, Patrice said, do not do, not do that. <laughs> Living your life's purpose does not mean that it has to be your full-time business. It doesn't even need, mean that you have to be in business for yourself a lot of people operating your gifts and talents and being in purpose could be in somebody else's business this false idea that we all need to own our own business well if we yeah. all do that who's working with us <laughs> right like that's not necessarily true some people are great at ju- use your gifts and talents in a place where they are respected you are well compensated you're working with people that you like doing what you love that's what it's about but when you choose a job or um, choose a business only because you think that there is money in it, or it's going to be lucrative. More than likely, you're going to create other challenges in your life that are going to help you waste the money anyway.
1: Mm. So good, so good, so good, so good. Oh my goodness, that's good. I'm glad I asked that question because that's a great answer.
0: That is, that is, a, that was a wonderful question. All
1: right, thank yeah. you. I mean, because I see it so, I like see it so many times, and they, and it comes from a great place because they really want to serve. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, serving does not always, like you said, serving does not always mean there got to be a business around it. And, and, and how I break it down most of the time, I say, okay, because um, half the time they're trying to serve people that don't have, yeah. like, like I said, they try to burden the ministry by making it a business. But how I always kind of look at it is, I say, okay, if you could do anything for these women, what would you do? And for example, I had a lady one time that said, well, you know, I would do um, a conference. Instead of doing it like online virtual, I do it in person. Now I said, imagine you take the 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 main business or the main work or your main job and you amass like great revenue and wealth off of that. And now there is no limit to what you do. I said, then what would you do? Well, you know, I wouldn't just have it, you know, in person, I'd have it in the Caribbean. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I was like, like, I just want you to think bigger, right? I think like think bigger piece is so big. Because then if we start dreaming and thinking bigger. You know, instead of me straddling this part, like what if the ministry had no limitations yeah. and I could bring all these moms down into the uh, Jamaica or the Bahamas or the Cayman Islands and I could fly them all for free.
0: Yeah. And really I could put them experience. up for a week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Right. Because then it doesn't matter about if they can pay, how much I'm making per person, like all the things that come into the business part, we can take out of it. Mm-hmm. And we can like build one thing that's thriving and use the overflow to feed something else. Yeah. Good. I love it. I love it. All right.
0: Okay. Last pillar.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Last pillar.
0: Last pillar pillar is just money. And money is about attracting the wealth you desire. And really that's just having people, all the stuff Big Mama was telling you back in the day and all the things that you've heard, when you clear up the other pillars, you are more free to process and finally receive that. And that's Mm -hmm. how I ended up on the financial wellness track and financial psychology track because you could talk to people about debt elimination and savings and budgeting all day. But if their life is cluttered, with some of these other things, it is so hard for them to receive it. So once we start getting people to be aware of that and dealing with those things and removing that clutter, finally, now you can listen to the Lamars of the world. (laughs) Like now you can actually receive the financial information and the wealth building information that is so readily available.
1: I love it. How can they find out more about you, connect with you, connect with the podcast, you know, get the books, get the information, courses, programs like everything I know the they, want every, they want everything patrice right now yes. right
0: so you can find all things patrice washington at patricewashington.com and you can follow me in social media or connect with me i should say on instagram it's my favorite place to play i'm seek wisdom pcw seek wisdom
1: all right y'all you heard it there so make sure you connect with patrice follow her um get plugged in it will definitely definitely forever change your life change the way you view right? Uh, Wealth. And we talked about that in the six pillars and moving beyond just the surface level of wealth, but getting deeper as it relates to your life. Lamar Tyler, creator and founder of the Traffic Sales and Profit Show. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Traffic Sales and Profit Show. Hey, do me a favor. If you enjoyed what you heard today, subscribe and follow us on this platform right now to make sure you do not miss a beat as we drop new episodes and additional content every single week. Also, if you'd like to get access to a free paperback copy of my book, access to the TSP Traffic Sales and Profit free Facebook group, our challenges, resources, our events, and more, make sure you visit us at www.trafficsalesandprofit.com forward slash podcast.